Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. And we are leaving the dark ages. Thank goodness. It'll take us a few years. Today we're talking about genetic expression. Now, when you know the difference between genes and genetic expression, the genes, you have a, it looks like a ladder that's twisted up. It's called a double helix. Now, this ladder has different proteins in different sequences. Now, you will encode or copy some of these protein sequences in your DNA, which is located in the nucleus of cells, um, based on the stimulus of the environment. Okay, so now in English, that means your body, um, through eons of, of history, I mean through, through thousands and thousands of generations, your body has developed these protein sequences to adapt to the environment. Now, there's a way, it's called above the gene control, epigenetic control. Now, I just want, you, want to think about this. Is heart disease, uh, obesity, diabetes, dementia, depression, cancer, or autism, are those diseases or are they adaptations? The difference between adaptive physiology and disease. Well, let me tell you. Let's look at this. Well, first, when we're talking about genetic expression, physical, chemical, and emotional stress are going to change your expression of any disease. <clears throat> and there are a number of protests going on. I mean, if you look at the world, uh, people in California are pretty much going along just like uh, the flock should. We're closing our business smartly. We're keeping off of the beach unless you want to exercise or sunbathe as long as no one's looking. If someone's not looking, then we're on there exercising and bike riding. I know, it's, it's insane. But in Texas, London, Toronto, Florida... Um, Kenya, Denmark, I mean, just all around the world, people are making demonstrations against just mask wearing. Um, there, there was a meeting in Utah County, USA, and this was just a riot. You had probably 100 people crowded in this council room, and the, you know, like six, seven council members up there saying, you are not practicing social distancing, this is an illegal meeting, the meeting is canceled. I mean, those representatives work for the people. Hopefully the people remember this and fire those representatives. Because if the people do not want to social distance, if the people don't want to wear masks, if the people want to take back their rights, they should be able to. Now, in Germany, there were thousands. Some estimates are between twenty and 30,000 people. <clears throat> uh, and they were chanting, masks make us slaves. So, obviously, you know, when the World Health Organization and British Medical Journal are questioning masks, it's not a, a universal belief that this is going to protect everyone. Plus, when we're talking about genetic and genetic expression, um, what, what are you actually dying from? What is your percentage or rate of dying? What um, Does this mask protect you? How much? Half a percent? Twenty percent? What's it going to protect you? Is it protecting others around you? Is it ineffective? Is there lack of studies? All of these things, when you look at science, this is not definitive. So, I mean, I'm choosing to not go along with it. Now, let's look at what the 12 leading causes of death in America are. Uh, now, you might say, well, hey, um, the COVID has been the best thing in the world because heart attacks are 40%. The number of people who have died of a heart attack is 40% less 
um, than in any year previous. So heart attacks have gone down. Uh, now, you might be saying, well, are people still dying of heart attack, but it's listed as COVID? Maybe, possibly. Um, we went through and looked at heart disease, cancer, accidents, uh, respiratory diseases, stroke, and we have all of them listed at what percentage the people are getting and what percentage dies. And uh, it's really interesting when you look at it because uh, roughly 5% of all total deaths or roughly 0.4% of the entire U.S. population um, is listed as COVID. So it is less than um, the majority of heart disease, cancer, accidents, chronic disease, stroke, um, and Alzheimer's disease. It's, it's actually less than all of those. So, but the big thing is our, our interventions this is altering our stress level. Altering the stress level changes how your genes are produced. Now, if you're in a stress level, you can either build cells that are healthy, that are productive, or you're going to build cells that can actually um, put you just in a survival mode. So you can survive or you can thrive. Now, deaths from despair. Now, when we're looking at this, we're looking at 60% of America has a chronic illness or disease. 54% of our kids have chronic illness or disease. There's about 2.8 million deaths every year in our country from a number of different causes. But none of this stuff we shut down. But now that we're forcing people to wear a mask, you know, shutting off their income, shutting off their social interaction, shutting off their church, shutting off their schools, what are deaths of despair? Well, the brilliant article by Jim Hoft, uh, death of despair could top around 830,000. That would be more than cancer, more than heart disease. 830,000. Now, that's four times to five times the number of estimated corona deaths. Uh, Then the UN, United Nations, warned that hundreds of thousands of children are going to die this year from the economic fallout. So when you hear these morons say, if if the economic shutdown um, causes difficulty but saves just one life, okay, Nobody has eternal life. If you look at the majority of people that have died from this, the majority are over 70. And these people have all comorbid conditions. And in fact, if you actually have a healthy person that died of COVID, not with COVID, but I mean from COVID, that means they didn't have chemotherapy, leukemia, surgery, uh, radiation, hit car, hit by a bus, but then tested positive. I mean, they were a healthy individual, actually caught this, and they, the virus took such a hold of an effect that it killed them. You can make 5000 bucks by sending the data, the case, the lab work, everything to uh, Dr. Tim O'Shea because he is still looking for the one case of one healthy person that has died. Um, and, and when you look at it, I mean, every year, every year, and this is every year, um, 0.11% of the U.S. population dies from an infection in a long-term health care facility. And that's over 380,000 people. Now, that's every year that's more than people that have died this time. Um, now, now, how healthy are our children? 54%. 
or have at least one chronic illness. And we know that when you were told one person infects two, those two infects four, those four infect eight, those eight infect 16. Really? Okay, now that is crazy because no, nothing's ever done. No virus has ever done that. Um, and because that assumes 100% susceptibility. Now we know that all viruses are going to affect you based on your immune system. Do you have a strong immune system? Do you have a weak immune system? So instead of, again, if you're listening to this through the media, your stress level has gone up, and that's going to cause you to express genes of stress. And that is the high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, bowel, inflammatory bowel disorders, anxiety and stress and depression. Now, if this one person infects two, two infect four, four infect eight, what's the percentage recovered? What's the percentage that got an immune system, uh, acquired immunity? What, what is the percentage of those infected that recovered, that are dead, that are maimed, that um, live and thrive, that are protected from other diseases? First, you've got to know a virus is not alive. It's really a well-organized molecular parasite. Up to 45% of your genetic information is viral. So when we're talking about genetic expression, knowing that, that viruses literally communicate. In fact, viruses are responsible for two critical important functions in nature, variation and adaptation. So a, a virus is more an adaptive physiologic response, and this is continuing. In fact, viruses are vital for our ecosystem. Uh, they are able to move genetic information between hosts. And we still don't understand how this has influenced um, our new evolution of species, but this is how we've survived, on, uh, thrived on our world. So when we're looking at um, genetic expression, we're looking at immune system, we're looking at how the body adapts, what kind of things weaken your immune system? Well, physical, chemical, emotional stress. Medications do weaken your immune system, nutrient deficiencies, and that makes sense because what is a nutrient-deficient, highly medicated, highly stressed population? Our seniors in the, in the urgent care, in the, the living, assisted living homes. We know those are, are over 70% of all the deaths from COVID are from nursing home residents. I mean, it, it's crazy. And we, if we know the theory of social distancing, the theory of wearing a mask, the theory of one person infecting two, two infecting four, four infecting eight, you know, that, that assumes. How do you spell assume again? Oh, an ASS out of UME? Okay, good. Okay, so, so they're assuming 100% susceptibility rate. Well, that goes on the germ theory. And the germ theory we know um, is totally in error. If you look at the, uh, the Lancet, um, they were saying, quote, the germ theory has become dogma, but it neglects many of the other factors that are a part to play in deciding whether the host germ environment complex is to lead, leads to infection. Among these are susceptibility, genetic constitution, behavior, and socioeconomic determinants. Wow, would that be something? If we actually looked at how our body responds to the environment, and looked at all the other factors. That's true. 
So not everyone needs to wear a mask. Not everyone needs to social distance. If you know that out of the 7 billion people on our planet, there hasn't been one case, not one recorded case of a child infecting an adult. And when we look at other uh, countries around the world, their schools are open, their restaurants are open, they're doing sporting events. I mean, this is a whole different world if you're living in, the, you know, the USSSA as opposed to, you know, countries that are actually free. Now, I always thought that our Constitution, our Bill of Privileges, I was going to call them Bill of Rights, but our Bill of Privileges would protect us. They haven't. Um, we have allowed, because our government um, was supposed to be for the people, by the people, and of the people, we have allowed the government to um, overtake all of our rights. Our Constitution has changed. Let's look at this. You are a miracle. You are designed to live on this planet. And how you started... In this, you've got to look at genetic and genetic expression. You have a sperm hitting an egg. That, that sperm has a coating on its nose that wears down the, the covering of the egg so sperm can actually get in there. On day one, on implantation, when that sperm hits the egg, instantly cells begin to, to uh, divide. By day four, those cells, that one cell goes into two to, two to four, um, four to eight, eight to 16, 16 to 32. And by day four, it looks like a mulberry blast. It's a, called a blastocyte. By day 15, so this is just two weeks into it, the primitive streak forms. And this is the beginning of the brain and spinal cord. And the, the organs grow off of this beautiful structure like fruit on a tree. By day 20, you can start to see a rudimentary head, an eye, and the heart is starting to beat. I mean, this is a miraculous thing from just the joining of an egg and a sperm. By day 35, um, you can literally, literally, this is five weeks, you can see the heart beating, you can see the eyes, you can see the spine and the organs literally growing like fruit off a tree. And then nine months later, by gosh, a, a living, breathing human being is born. Now, you are designed to live on this planet. And think of this. The only difference between life and death is in a human being is the presence or absence of a functioning intelligence. Now, what... And think of this. Um, if, if a person walking along dies, somebody that you knew, um, you would say, well, that person has left, that person has died, their spirit is gone, but the body would still be there. So this functioning intelligence, this life force energy is key. And how we live, how we live, our, we live our life through our nervous system. And this is also genetic and genetic expression. Your automatic nervous system is composed of two parts. One part keeps you alive under stress, and that's the sympathetic. The other part regenerates tissue, and that's called the parasympathetic. So the rest, digest, and repair, um, and the fight or flight, those systems keep you alive and functioning. Now, when you look at genetics, uh, there's certain things that, that people um, are confused about. Now, common misunderstands of genetics. 
Uh, every aspect of biology of an organism can be predicted from its genes. That is not true. That is not true because there's a difference between genetic and genetic expression. They used to think single genes coded for specific anatomical or behavior features, and that is also not true. They used to think that genes are a blueprint of an organism's form and behavior, and we know that genes are always adapting. And again, the, the fourth common misunderstanding is genes are uninterrupted sections of DNA that code for only a single protein. We know that's totally not true, because when we look at genes, and that's, that's when they started the Human Genome Project. It was 84, started in 1990, and completed in 2003. Now, when, since the human being produces about 100,000 proteins, there was assumed that there would be about 100,000 um, genes. Well, it turns out we got about the same as mice or fruit flies. I mean, we only have around 20,000 genes. So why is it we produce so many different proteins? Well, so the theory, after the, the Human Genome Project, the theory of one gene per one protein, that's what drove it. Because the medical world, if they can identify the one gene that caused obesity or cancer or heart disease or you know, some type of, of illness, and if they can make a drug to stop that gene production, bitch, and they cure the disease. Except human beings don't work that way. So in 2000, um, Dr. Randy Turtle, a professor at Duke University, and his student Robert Waterland designed an experiment. They, put, they took these agouti mice who were ravenous, prone to cancer, diabetes, everything. And what they did is they changed the diet. Or they had these, these um, children from these mice, and they changed their diet or their influence, and that changed their genetic makeup. And it's interesting because they said that the test group, they said the mother, a diet rich in methadone or small chemical uh, clusters that can turn genes on and turn it off. Now, this was found in, to correct the genetic anomaly that these agouti mice had. So think of this. These mice are genetically bred to produce cancer um, and diabetes. They, they were not designed to live for an, a long old age. They died early. They changed their mom's diet, including garlic, onions, beets, and food supplements. Uh, and they found out that the kids were completely different. They didn't have a susceptibility to cancer, diabetes, or live to an old age. So think of this. Some proteins can reverse cancer. Some proteins can cause cancer. Uh, the old adage is genes load the gun, but the epigenetics pull the trigger. So that means it's not the genes that are important. It's the epigenetic or gene control above the genes. Uh, now, this is hugely important because why am I talking about masks, social distancing, shutting down jobs, eliminating, um, eliminating your income, eliminating the food, clothing, shelter, security? I mean, all the changes that we're going through, those are certain stimuli that can cause you to produce stress genes, which will help you survive in this crazy environment. Um, when we look at that, it, it's interesting too, the Royal Society uh, lecture series in 2013, and it was sponsored by GlaxoSmithKline, um, how the genome of living things is organized and managed. 
mismanaged and disorganized epigenomes lead to disease. Uh, and that is key. That is what disease is. Now, we can look at environmental stressors and genetic expression. I figure it was when, I, when I was born, about 97% of kids were all healthy. About 3% of disease was genetic. Uh, now, 46% are healthy, so a little bit less than half. And that's because of the physical, chemical, or emotional stress. We know that genetically modified organisms, Roundup, can negatively affect the gut. It's a mineral chelator. It's a, an antibiotic. It's, it's like crazy not good for you. And that's in almost every food product known to mankind. Uh, we know that, that BT toxins, which is, again, this is something supposed to be only found in cows because it was a, a pesticide that's grown inside of the pollen that damages the gastrointestinal health of insects. So corn produces its own pesticide. Uh, now that's a problem because it survived the cow's digestion, the cooking process, the mom's digestion, and now it's in her breast milk and now it's in the baby's. Uh, yeah, uh, the brilliant article out of the Journal of Autoimmunity, Infection, Vaccines, and Other Environmental Triggers of Autoimmunity. And, and sure enough, when you're getting these foreign stimuli, the foreign protein injected into your body called a vaccine, a lot of abnormal responses can result. I mean, we know that environmental factors in developing autism, and autism is something you don't hear about anymore, even though by 2025 it'll affect one in two of our kids. Uh, this article out of Environment International, published in 2016, uh, it talks about the environmental factors that are a causative factor of autism. And it's, it's interesting that no one's going to be talking about that because they keep wanting to bring up the genetic component. Because if it's environmental, then that means we have to rethink the vaccines. We have to rethink think a lot of things. Now, we know cancer is not a metabolic disease. A brilliant art, uh, book, Cancer is Not a Metabolic Disease, by Dom, uh, Thomas uh, Seafried. And, and again, these are all environmental stimuli that affect gene production. We know the Journal of the uh, Metabolic, Meta, Metabolism Clinical and Experimental Journal, they talk about epigenetic control. Now, get this, things that control above the gene, medications. What kind of drugs can control genetic expression? Cholesterol-lowering drugs, antidepressants, blood pressure drugs. And we're talking beta blockers, dialytics, ACE inhibitors, oral contraceptives, anti-inflammatories, uh, anesthetics, antibiotics. I mean, it's almost every drug out there. And uh, the epigenetic control is weakening our population. So consequences for modern medicine are profound, since it would imply that our current understanding of pharmacology is an oversimplification. Boy, is that an understatement. So, so wait a second. If we're a miracle, we have that sperm hitting the egg, and we've been here for thousands of years, and we're now seeing our quality of health decline rapidly because of some environmental stressors. What do we do to strengthen our immune system? How, how can we make it stronger? Uh, well, we have to get away from the world of, of treating a symptom with a chemical. 
I mean, if you look at just just say Hashimoto's thyroiditis, okay, just look at this one because this is absolutely insane. The most common cause of hypothyroidism is an autoimmune disorder called Hashimoto's, according to uh, I think it's um, the Mayo Clinic. Now. It's interesting. So now we know Hashimoto's is the most common cause of a low-functioning thyroid. However, if you look at it, what do they say? Doctors aren't entirely sure why the immune system, which is supposed to defend the body from harmful viruses and bacteria, turns against its healthy tissues. So here's the cause, but we don't know what the cause. Let's take a step back and act like every symptom is your body adapting um, to adapting to physical, chemical, and emotional stressors. Because if that's true, if we're always adapting, um, how would you adapt to dehydration? Well, you know how you'd adapt to dehydration? Your blood pressure would go up. Uh, your gastric motility would go down. you develop constipation. Your blood would get thicker. Um, it wouldn't filter out to the joints. So long-term dehydration will cause diffuse joint pain, constipation, and anxiety. Now, that could be corrected with water. What about high blood pressure? We have an automatic nervous system. One part keeps us alive under stress. That's the sympathetic. The other part regenerates tissue. So if you're in a sympathetic dominant state, uh, your blood pressure will go up, your blood sugar will go up, your thyroid will go down, your adrenal gland will go up. So all of these things are normal responses. Heck, when you look at essential hypertension, all of it all also called idiopathic or unknown, um, I mean, they don't know what causes high blood pressure. No one's going to look at the, at the autonomic function. When you look at iatrogenic disorders, these are disorders caused by medications. And uh, here's a great, great quote. Stories of medical remedies causing more harm than good have been recorded from time immemorial. It would be impossible to provide benefits of modern medicine if reasonable steps in diagnostic treatment were withheld because of the possible risks. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do we have? We have stress, and this alters gene expression. Physical, chemical, or emotional stress. And we know, according to you know, the annuals of intensive care, they say that regardless of the cause, that autonomic dysfunction or adaptation is the core mechanism of underlying development and perpetuation of multi-organ failure. Why do I say multi-organ failure? Because they said this years ago. And what do they say to people that are having, um, uh, that are going to the hospitals now uh, who are sick, who would be put on ventilators, who even though they may have a lot of underlying conditions, uh, they had a PCR test to test for a virus, which is 80% false positives, and it doesn't matter what comorbid condition, these people start to get multi-organ failure. Well, this says autonomic function or chronic stressors can lead to that. Interesting. Uh, we know that that the University of Alabama said if you're treating high blood pressure with a drug, your risk of stroke increases. I know completely opposite. Cholesterol drugs. Why? Because cholesterol is a precursor to every stress hormone you make. If the cholesterol is going up, it means you have inflammation or some type of stress. You don't want to treat it with a drug. That's ridiculous. So how do you want to live? Do you want to live like like 
you're you're an essential being that you're designed to thrive on this planet that you need food clothing health shelter um safety security connection you need to be with people you need to go to church you need to have a spiritual life you need to have a physical life you need to exercise and work out and connect or do you want to live like your neighbor could infect you, that you're going to be wearing a mask? You should wear gloves, wash your hands everywhere, stay away from people. The world is turning to OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. Now, what will it take? What will it take for you to remove the mask? What security will you need? What assurances will you need that, that there is no virus available? No, that's ridiculous because viruses run cyclical through our society. Um, are you are you looking for the government to come up with a vaccine? Good. So that'll be every year. If it's as effective as the flu shot, which is 0% effective over 65, and then you're giving up bodily autonomy for something that is unproven that they're injecting in you, boy, that'll be a fun one. Okay, or you can live like your great-grandma, your great-great-grandma, your great-great-great-grandma and grandpa. These people ate nothing but organic. Um, lifespan hasn't changed in around 2,000 years, if you factor out infant mortality. And and so you're designed to thrive here. Uh, please, let's get back to appreciating who you are um, make sure that you, this is going to be live on Facebook. It's going to be in a week. It's going to be on YouTube and on BitChute and Extreme Health Academy and the drjohnbergman.com site. All of this with all the data is going to be on those sites. Why? Because, you know, we should all be wearing black arm brands. Dale Bigtree and the High Wire has been wiped out of social media. They still have their site, and so I'd so recommend you go into the highwire.com um, or talking to uh, or going to the ICANN Informed Consent Action Network. But please support these guys. Try and educate people on on the censorship that's going on so that we can protect some of our rights. Please, uh, let's take a stand. Let's take a stand. You're designed to live on this planet. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you. I love you.